Yeah, somebody just asked me, one of the clients, they're like, what's a nurse writer? I don't get it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I said, I get that. It's a nurse who writes, but what does that even mean? I said, we are a company that writes content for healthcare companies, content. Content's a broad area. So we have clients in many different areas. We serve healthcare companies that serve nurses. So their audience is nurses. We have healthcare companies that are techie and they serve healthcare providers that have, maybe they have a product for them or maybe they have a product for consumers. So you can write for consumers based on that tech side. We have clients that need CEU credit work or courses. And so a lot of nurses like doing that because we are very content driven people from doing so many different continuing education modules ourselves. So, and we like to write about it. So like, if you tell me, Jenny, write a labor and delivery thing, I love it. So absolutely. I want to write about it. So that's one of a type of client of ours. We also have just different brand product companies that have e-commerce products. So say, you know, you want to take a apple cider vinegar gummy or something and you need content around, we'll write something on that. If it's evidence-based, we we'll, we aren't going to tell you to, I'm not even going to put out all the TikTok things that are out there, but there's some stuff that you're like, what are people doing to their bodies? <laughs> We're not going to tell you to drink baking soda and, you know, boric solution, all that. No, we're not going to do that. But things that are evidence-based and you need, because here's the thing, with Google's latest algorithm, they actually added another E. So Google's algorithm is E-E-A-T, experience, authority, and trustworthiness is in there. And then expertise is the other one. So experience is the new E and then, and they want people writing content that have experience in the area. So that's where we come in, we're specialties. So if there's a eating disorder company that is like, we, we actually have an eating disorder company as one of ours. And what they do, they provide services for people with eating disorders and they have facilities throughout the nation and they need content for every one of those blogs across the nation. So there's like five of them. So we'll write content for this one, that one, that one, that one. But we need nurses who have experience with patients with eating disorders. Janine's not one of those. So I got to find somebody who does. And those become our core set of writers for that client because they need that. They need that for their Google presence. And now that company is going to rank on Google because in their byline, they have not only a nurse that has experience in eating disorders, but can speak to it. And they have that authoritativeness and trustworthiness behind their name to say, yes, this is this is what your content needs is for your eating disorder patient needs. I'm Christine from paidcopywriter.com. I mentor aspiring writers and freelancers who want to replace their nine to five income by becoming self-employed, working from home, no longer dealing with office politics, commutes, or any nine to five BS. If you like that information, you want to learn about content writing, copywriting, marketing, and all things freelance business, you're definitely going to want to subscribe to this channel. I release new videos every week and definitely comment down below because I like hearing from you guys in the comments. Janine Kelbach, welcome to the Paid Copywriter Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. So excited to return the favor because I've been on your podcast. Now you're finally here on mine. Let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you became a copywriter. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. It's been long coming and I'm excited to be here. I am honored to be here on this podcast. And I love this podcast. And so my background is actually, I'm a labor and delivery nurse by background. I've been doing that since 2006. And over time, I was like a lot of people that go into freelance writing, kind of just looking for something on the side, not really knowing what that looked like or what that was. But over time, it kind of became more clear that I wanted to be like a health content writer. I had skills of a nurse, but really it bothered me when patients would come into the hospital with like a birth plan or different remedies they wanted that were not medically, you know, background of it was not, it was a little sketchy. And so evidence-based medicine is always what, you know, I, I, want patients to know. And so if they look on Google and it's not evidence-based, 
it's it's scary. It's scary for patients, and you don't want people getting that misinformation all the time. So it started there, and then kind of morphed into a lot of different kind of companies that I've written for. So it's not just you know maternal child health. It's turned into a whole slew of different healthcare topics and different audiences too. Whether that's you know the tech side or nursing, or sometimes the audience are actual nurses, and then sometimes it's patient focused. So it just depends on the different types of clients. But I am so grateful that this career has turned into a full-time thing for me. And it's definitely something I never thought it would be at the beginning. Right. Because I'm sure when you went to nursing school, you figured I'm going to be a nurse until I retire. What happens? Like what, what were those, take me back to those early days where you first, I guess, even realized this was possible for you to become a writer. How did that opportunity come about? And then what was the segue from side hustle to full-time like? Yeah, it's funny because I talk to other marketers or writers or whatever and who who have no idea about the healthcare side of things. And there's like two things people say, like, I didn't know nurses could be writers. And then the other thing is like, how the heck did you, why would you even want to go this way when you're like already that way? Well, in nursing school, like you said, you learn nursing and that's where you're focused. And that's actually where I thought I'd retire because that's what I thought I'd be when I grew up. And so I actually didn't, never thought of it not being that, even when I started to branch off into like a side hustle. So back when I was working 12-hour shifts at the bedside, I started to do just different career paths in nursing. I wasn't just bedside nurse. I was now charge nurse. And then I precept a lot of other nurses. Then I started to do an assistant manager position. Then I got my certification. And then I started to do educator. And then I started to be an educator and instructor for different certifications for nurses. And I was like, why am I bouncing around so much? Like, I love everything I'm doing, but I don't know if I'm just bored or what it is. And then I had another opportunity come my way where it was a home care position for maternal child health. So it was actually pregnant women. And so I would drive around Cleveland. I had my own kind of schedule where I could work my days off and then plot my patients as long as they were seen weekly. I can plot them out on what time I would be at their house and whatever. And they, they you know, we text each other, make sure that was good. And what I realized in that job is that I really like working by myself. I like having my own schedule, being flexible. I know what's needed from me. I'm motivated to go to work. I only had to call the center if something was wrong and usually things were okay. You know, I'd have to call the squad for some patients or whatever, but it, I mean, it was generally fine. And so after I did that job, I was like, okay, maybe a new nursing job is not my solution. I need something a little bit different than that. So then, you know, Google came around, Google this, what can a nurse do from home? And I kept going around. This was back in like 2013. So I think the Google pathway was not as clear as it is now where nurse, like freelance writer did not come up, but eventually I got to writer and I wasn't even looking at nurse. I was looking at what can I do from home as a human being and a writer came up and I always enjoyed writing and I always like help patients try and find accurate information. And such of the research side was there of me. And I took it when my bachelor program, I did it from home. I was doing an online course and it was all papers. I did no tests because thank God, because I like test anxiety. So I love writing papers, which sounds really nerdy, but you know, some of us are like that. So whatever. <laughs> so I would write all these papers and I enjoyed that too. So with that program, I knew I enjoyed writing as well. And then, you know, I was in this group of like other moms and they were like, yeah, we're moms who write, we're freelance writers. And I'm like, I don't know what that is or who, what that even means, but I want to be one of those. You get paid to write. That sounds cool. And they were like, wait, you're a nurse. I'm like, yeah. They're like, go get health writing. Like this, you have such a unique skill set. And I'm like, oh, 
okay. Well, eventually, like I got it together and like was able to pitch some clients. And my first client was healthline.com. So I was able to start writing for them and, and knew I enjoyed it and then kept that process kind of going. And here we are now. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. What was the, I guess, like final moment where you were like, okay, I'm ready to leave nursing full time. And like, pursue writing was was there a, a dollar amount was there a certain client was it just like no I'm ready it was the pandemic actually that's <laughs> what did it for me I stay I'm one of these people that like can't let things go like I'm very gradual the income thing was definitely part of it because you know I was the breadwinner I have the benefits for our family I have I had a great job and I didn't not like it I enjoyed it so it was hard for me to kind of step back so when I took my bachelor's program I actually went part-time. And then that helped me then build up the writing thing a little bit. And then the pandemic came and I was educator for the hospital for OB. So I had the OB educators, which is actually, there's like so many hats I wore in that. So I was like a recruiter and then like onboarder for new nurses and the educator for other nurses. And so for two hospitals. So it was nice. I loved it because I got to go for both shifts and like catch all the, all the new nurses and help them out. But when the pandemic hit, it was like, mayhem because the nurses we had such a turnover of nurses plus nurses that still wanted to work in ob then the covid guidelines changed so rapidly especially when you're pregnant and newborns so it was just it was crazy so and then they're like oh and janine you know you have to remote school your two children i was like oh my god i can't do all this well at that point my business my writing business was where i wanted it to be where i could cut the cord and actually go full time with it but with those uncertain times, you're like, is the world just shutting down and nobody's going to have money to pay writers? I don't know. But it actually kind of blew up for me. And I don't know if it was because of COVID and people wanted healthcare guidelines or whatever. I actually can't even remember the types of clients that were coming to me because it was such a crazy time. But I had to go, okay, kids are most important. And then a job with benefits. But I I can't do all of this, but I don't want to let the writing go because I, I built this thing for the ground up. And so I started connecting with some of the nurses that I trained to be writers and start their own writing business. And I was like, hey, I have this client, that client, that can I give you some work? And they're like, yeah. So I subcontracted with them and started to build this. Well, then I still had clients coming to me. Janine, do you have, do you have experience in oncology? I'm like, no, but Julie does. Do you have experience here? No, but so-and-so does. And then it like clicked. I was like, wait, if I can help other companies with nurses that I've trained to help start their own businesses. They just want work. What if I did this together and created this experience where I could match people? Well, I know that what that's called is an agency. You know, I'm told later, <laughs> what do I know? Freelance agency. I don't know what these words mean. So I kind of created this, this agency of nurse writers now that we have com healthcare companies come to us, ask for writers, and I kind of pair them up but we manage everything on the agency side. So the client's kind of hands off, which a lot of times they like because they're so busy with other things. And we just have the projects, we manage them, we edit them and, you know, put a bow on them and deliver them. So that's actually when I went full time was when I started the agency in 2020. That's amazing. And there's so much I want to say about your experience because when you were a nurse and it's, I think I had a common experience where you started doing educating and recruiting and all these different functions within the nurse realm. And I think those skills that you built parlayed so nicely into all of the skills you were going to need to be a writer, to be self-employed, to run an agency. And 
one of the most common feedback or comments I get on YouTube when I talk about my background and how I transitioned is like, oh, well, that's nice for you, Christine. You were in sales. So of course, you know how to get freelance clients. And of course, you were easily able to parlay your sales knowledge into copywriting because they're so linked. And I say, my response is always no. It's whatever your background is. It's a matter of taking those skills and using it toward your self-employed freelance writing journey. I don't care if you are customer service at a telemarketing company or you worked in hospitality hotel and you had to understand how to deal with people. It's whatever your past skill set and knowledge that you gained in your past experiences. It's how you parlay it into this career and how you're able to communicate that to the client. So I just love that. Yeah, I I just see those commonalities with so many successful writers. Yeah, and it's like not only a lot of things you're good at, you don't realize you're good at. So I think another thing is ask the people around you like what you're what you're good at and like, oh, Janine, you're organized. I'm like, I am not organized. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, you are. And then I kind of look at things. And I'm like, hey, I guess I kind of am. You know, like you don't see it because it comes naturally to you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they don't realize that. And it's funny you said that, like about education and recruitment. That's exactly how I built my business. And I, it literally just clicked for me when you said that. Like I educated these nurses and then I recruited them into my own business. So it, it did transfer very easily from the nursing side to, and it's not for everybody. Like everybody at the hospital, I, you know, all the nurses know I do this. And they're like, oh, I want to do that. No, they don't. No, they don't. Once they, they know they, really yeah. involved, right. Yeah. You don't even like to write. You just <laughs> think it's cool that I work from home. That's exactly what it is. Yes. But then but there are people that like it. Right. And if you like to research and you are somebody, I almost feel like the biggest misconception with content writing and copywriting is that you need to be interested in poetry and all this stuff. <laughs> it's not that. It's no. really this desire to convey information. And like you, I related to what you said about doing well in school because you're based on papers versus testing. That's the same thing with me. I have a learning disability in math. I really struggled in school, but because I was able as an English major to write papers and, you know, pass my classes that way, that's the only reason I made it through college and high school. And even when I was in sales, I became a sales trainer. There's this that was like the the progression in my career. There's this ability to want to convey knowledge. There's an enthusiasm and an excitement about sharing knowledge and making things easy for other people yes. to understand. Not, are you Stephen King? And are you so creative and this and that? It's not that. It's it's this teaching. It's this persuasion. It's this sales. It's this ability to break complex topics into easier topics. That's why a lot of former teachers do really well as freelancers yes. and content writers. So- yeah, I love what you're saying. Hey, I have uh, now that you're talking about the agency, I would love to because you're hiring writers, and I've also been someone who's hiring writers. I think the writers who are listening to this, the aspiring freelancers, they're dying to know what do you look for in a freelance writer? What are the skills, both soft skills, hard skills? Who have you given chances to peel back the curtain and let us know what you look for and what the decisions are when you hire a writer? So that's, it's actually morphed over the years, but we have a process now that I think is the best one we've ever had. We have an on, we have like an on site, not an on site. I mean, we're all remote, but like someone who is actually our editor, her name's Nicole. She has like an English major as well. She's a professor at college in English. Like she has a great background. And so what we do is because like so many nurses want to try it, but they're like, oh, I can't, I've never written. So a lot of times they'd come with no experience and that's absolutely fine. 
because we all kind of start with no experience, especially as nurses. Maybe you wrote some stuff in school, but, and then, so there's not a lot of samples either. You can't be like, what's your sample? So what we ended up doing is we have an application process where they put their name and their email and their specialties and we come up with a topic. We don't want them to come up with a topic because it's easier when you come up with it. So we come up with a topic based on their specialties. So make it easier for them. And they just write like 500 words and we'll give them a content brief as well to kind of get them understanding how the process will work. I use a platform called ClickUp for all of our project management. So it everything's through ClickUp, which is exactly how we work inside the agency. So once you kind of get that process and a lot of it is that, like it's the tech, it's following directions, it's doing the things that you need to do for the assignment. And the writing's later. So they do their writing inside. We use a tool called Growth Bar as well. So Growth Bar, they write their assignment. They tag our editor, Nicole. Nicole edits it. She helps them improve. Like, this is what I fixed and this is what you need to do, da 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 And then she rates them. And so anybody who's a four or five star writer, they're, they're automatically vetted into our agency. And then those that are three star and under, we have a writing skills course that Nicole teaches. And it's basically, it's not just for nurses, it's for anybody who just needs better writing skills. And it's basically a college level course and you get five opportunities to write samples. And again, she edits all those. And then at the end, you have like five samples for clients, for whomever that you know are edited, that you know are good. And at the end, you you can then reapply to come in our agency. Ideally, by then you're a four to five star writer and then we'll let you keep coming. So that's actually how we do it now. Those that have experience are a different story. Like we still vet them with a sample or we look at what they've done before if they've written for us before. But that's kind of what we do now because there's so many nurses that want to try this out. And it's like, we want to give you a chance, you know, before you send your resume and stuff off to a client and you realize you don't like doing this. It's, it's an opportunity to kind of get your feet wet and see if you enjoy it. That's amazing. I actually don't know of anyone who's doing something like that in this field because it's such a win-win for the writer. They get to, so many writers are dying for the opportunity for an editor to look at their, their work and for them to actually have a chance to try this in a real life mm-hmm. scenario and that's not available. So kudos to you for coming up with that concept. I I'm reading a hundred million dollar offers by Alex Hormozzi. And he goes through this process of like how to create an offer based on like what's really needed in the marketplace. And it sounds like you have done that where like I, this whole process sounds really genius to me. Well, thank you. Well, it's funny. Cause last night I actually, I do Q and a calls with my group every month. And one of them was like, Janine, are there other agencies out there that we can write for kind of like yours that like post jobs? And I go, no, I <laughs> I've worked with other agencies. I said, it's not like this at all. I said, I don't even like the word agency. It's just the problem is healthcare companies know what that word means. So I like to call it like a cohort because it's kind of like more of a community and helpful and personal than like agency. So I don't know. I think it's a good way for companies though, because I think a lot of companies, you can't vet writers quickly or whatever, but if you have an internal editor or somebody you trust with editing who can go through these applications and say yes or no based on a sample and help them improve so that they can apply for whether it's your company or not, let them, let them, you know, get their feet wet and know what they need to improve on and let them try again somewhere else or with you again, you know, it just depends. Yeah. And I want to emphasize what you're saying about you don't need to have writing experience this because that's the biggest misconception. It's the reason why people stop before they even get started in this mm-hmm. field is they're like, I have no way of getting experience. And the thing is, it's about what you know. It's about your knowledge. And if you have a background, that's why I always recommend that if you choose a niche, choose something you do have tangible experience in because it's the 
biggest selling point you can use as a writer is like, hey, I might not have done this exact thing you're looking for, but I have the knowledge in order to be able to write it. And yes, no one understands that that's the key to all this. Yes, yes. And and that's exactly right. Because if someone like, like hires me to be a content writer and wants me to write about life insurance, like I could, I have the skills to research it. And so do you, like everybody listening, you guys have skills, you can research, but you're not going to enjoy it as much. So that's the other thing too, even though you might be a, like a lot of nurses come to me and they're like, I have ER experience, but I don't want to write about it then don't write about it. Just because you have the experience there, how about look at one of the types of patients that come to the ER that you like? Maybe it's mental health. Focus there. Again, it's like what you know, what you enjoy, because if not, you're not going to enjoy this career very much. Well, tell me about the clients that you're serving. So, because I feel like, okay, so nurse writing, give me the umbrella. Like, is it healthcare in general, where it's like mental health, ER, like, Give me the whole grand scheme for people who might be interested in this field. Yeah. Somebody just asked me, one of the clients, they're like, what's a nurse writer? I don't get it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I said, I get that. It's a nurse who writes, but what does that even mean? I said, we are a company that writes content for healthcare companies. Content. Content's a broad area. So we have clients in many different areas. Like I said, we have, we serve people like healthcare companies that serve nurses. So their audience is nurses. We have healthcare companies that are techie and they serve like healthcare providers that had, maybe they have a product for them, or maybe they have a product for consumers. So you can write for consumers based on that tech side. We have clients that need CEU credit work or courses. And so a lot of nurses like doing that because we are very content driven people from doing so many different continuing education modules ourselves. So, and we like to write about it. So like, if you tell me, Jenny, write a labor and delivery thing, I love it. So absolutely. I want to write about it. So that's one of a type of client of ours. We also have just different brand product companies that have e-commerce products. So say, you know, you want to take a apple cider vinegar gummy or something and you need content around, like we'll write something on that. If it's evidence-based, we we aren't going to tell you to, I'm not even going to put out all the TikTok things that are out there, but there's some stuff that you're like, what are people doing to their bodies? <laughs> We're not going to tell you to drink baking soda and, you know, boric solution, all that. No, we're not going to do that. But things that are evidence-based and you need, because here's the thing, with Google's latest algorithm, they actually added another E. So Google's algorithm is E-E-A-T, experience, authority, and trustworthiness is in there. And then expertise is the other one. So experience is the new E and then, and they want people writing content that have experience in the area. So that's where we come in. We're specialties. So if there's a eating disorder company that is like, we, we actually have an eating disorder company as one of ours. And what they do, they provide services for people with eating disorders and they have facilities throughout the nation and they need content for every one of those blogs across the nation. So there's like five of them. So we'll write content for this one, that one, that one, that one. But we need nurses who have experience with patients with eating disorders. Janine's not one of those. So I got to find somebody who does. And those become our core set of writers for that client because they need that. They need that for their Google presence. And now that company is going to rank on Google because in their byline, they have not only a nurse that has experience in eating disorders, but can speak to it. And they have that authoritativeness and trustworthiness behind their name to say, yes, this is, this is what your content needs is your eating disorder patient needs. They need an inpatient residential care because this is why, and I said this because I have experience in it. So yeah, that's where that really comes in, where we do specialize for different clients just to help them rank more than anything. 
That's incredible. It, it just, I feel like the theme of this episode is going to be like the power of specializing, like why having a specialty is really where the money is at. I have one of my more successful students in my course is she chose to specialize in dental manufacturing. Oh and, yeah. And she's just off out of the gate, killed it. And then when she was looking to replace herself, cause she took an in- in-house role, which is incredible. Cause it's like, someone was like, you're so great. I want you to come work for us. Right? our content writer. So she's like, okay, I need to replace myself now and put other dental writers in this freelance position that I'm leaving. And so many people tried to apply to the role when I called for it, but they were not specialized in dental. Like I needed dental specific samples. So it just goes to show you, if you have these samples that are in that specific niche, you rise to the top immediately. And here's the thing too, the nurses that applied for that job, because it was eating disorder clinic. I need people with eating disorder background. They had the background clinically, but they didn't have a sample. So we did our sample thing that we do, write 500 words on this topic. Nicole's going to edit it. She now vets that you are a writer and can write towards this topic. And I even gave them the style guide of our client so that they can write to that as well. So that's the other thing too, is when you're just because you don't have samples in that area, write one, write a sample of that area and then apply to the job. Self-published pieces and creating your own, as I call it, spec pieces really are the way to do this. It's not about, because I'm a big fan of Seth Godin and he says like, choose yourself. And we are in like the choose yourself economy because back in the day, you needed to get through so many gatekeepers in order to pursue this career. And it's probably why I didn't get into writing earlier on was because it was like, well, I need to apply and get approved and get picked. And now it's like, no, put your stuff out there online, market yourself, tell people you are this and you will be that. That's Mm -hmm. the magic of it. And you don't have to check every box. You know, they say, and you know, I'm just speaking from women because I see that statistic all the time that women don't apply for jobs because they're not checking every box. Whereas men will apply even if they don't, they meet two out of the five criteria, they're going to apply anyway. And they're going to pretend that they got the job based, even though they don't have those other three and they kill it and they end up getting the job. And the woman who probably had four out of the five, but she didn't get that fifth one. She didn't even apply because she wanted, so put yourself out there, even when you're not hundred percent confident, because you could, a lot of things are things that you can get over time, skills and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. I can speak it, but I understand the struggle to go, and that's that perfectionist in all of us where we're like, oh, I don't know, am I good enough? And then your imposter syndrome kicks in, you know, it's all that. Yeah. It, I heard this on some type of career podcast, but they were saying that like the job listing is not a list of requirements. It's a wish list. And when you realize yes. list, you can approach it so much more confidently and imposter syndrome and this like fear of being found out for being new. I have to say it is the number one issue. You and I both mentor freelance writers. I don't know if you've experienced this too. It is the number one roadblock to deal Mm -hmm. with. And I'm always trying to come up with like new ways to address it and strategies. But would you say that that's the number one thing holding writers back is this imposter syndrome? A hundred percent. And their mindset behind it. Like, Like they think that all the clients are taken or they're never going to have an opportunity because they don't have a master's degree. Not the case. And and that's not to say you and I don't struggle with some imposter syndrome. There every day I'm like, someone's going to find me out that I am not a real agency owner. I just kind of made this up and then they're going to shut me down. Nobody's ever going to hire us again. Like that, <laughs> that's totally goes across every. And then, you know, there's always that fear in my mind of like, what if this doesn't work out? 
And then I just go, oh, if it doesn't work out, I didn't burn any bridges at the hospital. Nerd, there's still a nursing shortage across the nation. It's not like I can't get another job. But then it, then that like person inside of you goes, but I'm never going to make that happen. I will make this work. So, you know, you just, you have to fight that voice in your head and, and be kind to yourself. Like we talk to ourselves, like we, we talk to ourselves worse than we talk to like a worse enemy. Like be kind to yourself. If you screw up something or your client's not happy or they're sending comments or red lines, it's okay. <laughs> we take it so personal. I'm the worst writer ever. I should just give up. No, you're not. <laughs> something I struggle with so badly. Yes. Like that feedback from clients and, ah, but you know, it's, it's interesting what you said about how you go there in your mind. Like you, you have this scenario where you're like, Hey, if this doesn't work out, I can always go back to nurse, to nursing and go back to the hospital. That's actually a stoic principle where you imagine the worst case scenario and you really allow yourself to go there mentally. And once you see that the worst case scenario, isn't that bad, it, it gives you the confidence to just move forward. Cause I do that too. I'm like, okay, so if I lose this client or if something happens where I'm not able to get clients and I lose all my money, what then what? And they say, okay, well, I have a skill set. I can go get a, a job and get back on my feet. And would that be the worst thing on earth? No. Right? And the funny thing about putting yourself in that mindset is that the worst case scenario never happens. But once you've accepted it, it allows you to move forward without fear. And I think that's the biggest difference between people like you and I who experience imposter syndrome, but don't let it hold us back is that we just take action. It's there. We're insecure. We're feeling it. We don't feel hundred percent confident, but we act anyway. Do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. And I think too, it's funny because it's like the worst case scenario was what I did for 20 years. And it wasn't that bad. It wasn't horrible. Like it was, it's, it was what most nurses do. Like it's okay. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. Taking action is the hardest thing. The other hard thing to do, you can take action, but then people feel like they need some sort of motivation to keep going. But the motivation doesn't ever come. The motivation is brought on by habits and consistency. There's many days I wake up and I'm like, oh man, it's 80 outside and beautiful and I, I just don't want to work at all. And some days I don't. <laughs> some days, most days, you still have to show up. And, and I think that's the hardest thing is no one's, no one's counting if Janine's late to work that day. No one's giving me a point. No one's going to fire me for a no call, no show. Like you just, you have to show up because you have to show up. It's your job to show up. And, you know, your clients are just waiting on deliverables. They're not seeing how much time you're putting into anything. So that's the other thing is, you know, having that courage to show up every day and make it happen. It doesn't just happen because you just want it to and you want motivation to do it. it. The motivation needs to come because you start and you keep going. Yeah, it's that initial spark because people get very excited about freelance writing. And when they see the possibility and the opportunity, they get really fired up about it. But then yes, the day-to-day -day sets in. And that's with absolutely anything. I mean, with my online course, with 30 Days to Paid, with my brand paid copywriter, there was this super inspirational moment that I believe was from God, like telling me, do this. This is what you should be doing. But that initial enthusiasm fades. And then it's like, oh, well, I need to continue to do this now for the next couple of years and continue to build an audience and put out podcast episodes every week and write those email newsletters when I don't feel like it. And if you can actually just get past the honeymoon phase and still be consistent, you're really ahead of like 90% of people because people just give up when it's no longer new and fresh and exciting. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like a, it's like a marriage. Exactly. I always give <laughs> It's like, if you're expecting it to be fireworks, 
the way it was in the very beginning for the rest of the time, you're going to probably be set up for disappointment because that has to fade out Yeah, for another type of love to take place, which is like true bonding and stuff. Like you don't stay in lust phase forever. <laughs> right. Well, and I think too, it's like you get to a point that, yeah, it's like hard or whatever, but you, you get excited to do the work. Because you know this is this is where it's going. You start to get more clients. You see the possibilities, and you see the possibilities monetarily, and the clients coming to you, or you getting accepted for pitches for different clients, or whatever it is. Now it's like working. So when you start to see it work, when you get a contract or whatever, that's also like more quote unquote like motivation to keep going. But there's going to be hard days, and there's days you're going to fail, and whatever. But it's just picking those pieces up and got to keep going. You got to keep going. Absolutely. Yes. Constantly setting new goals. And that's like the beauty of being self-employed in entrepreneurship is like you have the ability to set a new goal for yourself and get yourself fired up again about a new goal. It's like, okay, maybe you're going to drop a lower paying client and try to find a better fit client. And that's your new goal. But it, there's always a way to grow and progress and level up in this mm-hmm. field. I think a good book for your audience too is the 12 week year where you break down goals like in 12 weeks, not a year, because a year from now can look totally different, but you kind of look a year ahead and go, this is what I want, but then break it down 12 weeks increments and then weekly what you're doing to get there. Because if you like, it's hard for me to think three years from now, five years from now, because three years ago, five years ago, I had no idea I'd be where I am now. And that actually wasn't the goal. So I think it's okay to not set like long lofty goals, but to kind of focus in on what is the goal for, you know, till December and what, how do I got to get there week by week? What am I doing day by day? What am I doing to get there? And I think actually that's really what helped me at first kind of grow was looking at like things that smaller things like, okay, well, I want one client this month. Okay. What do I have to do every day to get a client? What I got to do? What is like a weekly check-in for myself? How many pitches did I do? Whatever. So in four weeks, I'm going to have this many pitches. How many got responses? Zero. Okay. Well, next month I need to double that and try and try again. So I think too, like break things down and give yourself grace if you don't meet the goals, but try and set them and, and try and hit them based on like smaller increments too. Oh my gosh. I can't emphasize that enough. Breaking things down into bite-sized chunks is like the key to getting anything done. Like if I had to wake up every day and say, well, I need to make six figures this year as a writer, I would just give up because that seems so overwhelming. But if I know that I need to work with like five clients and get a certain amount of work from those five clients and I need to pitch every single day, when you break things down into increments, it becomes doable. The goals get achieved. I know you use ClickUp as your project management. I use Asana, but it's that like, please, anyone who's listening, I started with Trello. Like so did a- I. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like everyone's in- indoctrination into project management. <laughs> it's so easy. It's that like just sliding the cards across the board. And I'm using the free version of Asana now. I, I'm not paying for it yet. But the, the point is, is that when you can really take one goal and work backward and look at the steps needed to get to that one goal and check off that little to-do list every single day, it you get there. And wh- whoever's listening on YouTube, I have a whole goal setting demo of how you can use Asana or any project management system to break down an income goal into tangible steps. So check that out and I'll link to it on the screen. And it's okay to do like an income goal. I think that's the easiest goal to set as a new writer or writer in general, because yeah, six figures is a lot. And you think of it, oh my God, I'll never get there, but you can get there, break it down monthly. And and I'm sure your videos go into that because 
it's it's not like okay i want six figures and then it's june and you're like oh my god i'm not even close what a oh i give up it's just like you know people do weight loss goals same thing it's you got to show up you got to do the work it, no one's going to do it for you Yes. Talk to me about the financial aspect of things, because you said you were a breadwinner, your benefits were what was supporting your family. There's so many people that want to get into this, but they're thinking to themselves, well, you don't understand my situation and my family situation and my responsibilities. Talk about the more practical, financial, tangible side of all this. I feel like that's the number one thing is insurance that hold people back from going self-employed. Yes. But I challenge you guys to ask a broker in your area to run some numbers for you. It's not as bad as you think it is. We have my one son, he's like an invisible special needs. Like he doesn't look like he has special needs, but he's totally crazy, ADHD, anxiety, whatever. So he's on like four different meds. Plus he has two different therapists, a neurologist, and then his primary care. So just for him, like we had to make sure all of his people were covered in our insurance plan and all the things. And then the rest of us are pretty normal, but we wanted to make sure like all of our providers were in network and all the things. So they run all that for you and they find the plan that works best for you. And it's not as bad as you think it is. The hospital, first off, most of the hospitals that these people, these people, these nurses are working for are not even the best benefits. Usually I had to get the benefits from my husband's bank because it had better benefits than the hospital did. And we were able to be in network with the bigger hospitals and not just the hospital I worked at. So like, look at it because it's, it, it's always what holds people back and it's not as bad as you think. I want to say for us, it was like two or $300 more a month than us being employed at our jobs. So again, it's not that bad when you think of like the opportunities of being self-employed and you actually get to write off a lot of stuff because it's, it's insurance and stuff. So so yeah, that's actually number one thing that holds people back. Well, it held me back. I was scared. So until I looked into it, I was like, seriously, I thought it was gonna be like four grand a month for us to just have health insurance. It's not. And then the other thing is retirement. So many people are stuck on this 401k plan. They think it's gonna like keep them going in life. It's not, you guys. <laughs> There is a, you can do different things in your, your freelance writing business, being self-employed for a 401k. You can do your own 401k and, and that's very possible. You can look at other ways in investments. And sometimes that's real estate. Sometimes you like look outside the box. You don't have to just be in your 401k plan. That's my retirement. Let that go. Let it go. And then same thing, hourly wage at the hospital. If you, oh, I'm not going to get with my hourly wage. Yes, you will. You'll actually get more than you do at the hospital because after your your W two employee, look at all the taxes. You see what actually you're bringing home, and look at that because self employment is not as yeah. You probably will take a little cut at first, but the di difference between self employment and the hospital, you can always make more money. You just got to find more clients. So there's there's that opportunity to just keep growing. And I know it's again one of those things easier said than done because I was stuck there for so long, but once you finally go, oh, okay, I think I can do this. A lot of my nurses, one of them actually yesterday was like, Janine, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have this great full-time job. I work from home, blah, blah, blah. I can't ever let that go, but there's no opportunity to go part-time. My writing income isn't where I want it to be yet. And my clients, I don't have enough clients, but I don't have enough time for my clients. So I said, she's in that messy middle where it's like, you you don't know what to do. I said, I've been there. I had that opportunity to go part-time and I did. Then I went PRN, like I couldn't just let it go. And I said, so there's a couple options. And like, I'm like, you can look for a part-time job as a nurse or a writer. Maybe look at that. I said, if you want like part-time work or something. So 
there's so many ways to go about it, but I think that's also what holds a lot of people back is their full-time job is taking all their time and you don't know how to like navigate the next steps. And sometimes you just have to cut the cord and go, I'm doing this. And it's, it's crazy when all your time and effort goes into your business, how much growth you'll have. That's the thing. You almost keep yourself it's such a toxic cycle because you're like, my income, my freelance writing income isn't where I need it to be. So I don't feel tr comfortable transitioning, but it's your discomfort in transitioning that's keeping your freelance income that low to begin with. And once you just take that, I guess, like a little leap of faith and put your full-time energy into pursuing clients, you'll see your income go up. I'm really glad you said that and explained that with your son's needs and the insurance though, because I've never wanted to broach this topic because- I'm engaged now, but I've been like single, like a, a single female for these past couple of years freelancing. So I was always like, oh, well, I come from a privileged vantage point because yeah, of course, as a healthy single girl with no kids, it's easy for me to deal with the benefits situation, right? Yeah. But I always think about the people who have chronic illness and mm -hmm. it's special needs. And it's what I love that you pointed that out. I've never been able to articulate that because I just didn't even have the answer to give people when they had those concerns. But like you said, when you put things on paper and actually do the comparison and peel back the curtain and shine a light on the actual numbers, your anxiety will dissipate because you're seeing things clearly. Yeah. Same thing with like get a good CPA and accountant because it, so you basically you want to look for somebody who specializes in small business where you can find those people, go to your local bank where you have your account and talk to the manager and see if they know anybody. Referrals are the best because they know those deductions that you can get. They know who to set you up with for like, like I'm with ADP for payroll. Well, I didn't know I could do payroll as like a solopreneur. Yes, you can. You could even put your kids on, make them a tax deduction and give, you know, take more money that way. Like there's so many ways to legally, you know, obviously go about it that like my husband's part of my business. He doesn't do anything in my business, but on paper he does. And that's okay. Like it's as long as he is making a quote unquote salary, it's like the government has so many little loopholes that are legal that a good CPA will help you navigate. And then in that way, that's how you, I got connected with like ADP and, you know, my husband worked at the bank. So he connected us with like the financial guy. That's his friend for like 401k and stuff for right RN. So like we have our own 401k plan again, not crazy numbers either. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like what you said about retirement too, because I have a Roth IRA and mm -hmm. there's a lot of downsides to 401ks that people don't necessarily realize uh, yeah. that like aspirate. I guess I'm lucky that I was so all over the place with my past like full-time employment because it never made sense for me to even open up 401ks at a certain point because I kept rolling it over and getting a new. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I need something separate. And the Roth is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a Roth too, because it, it makes sense. A lot of times, like you can contribute so much to it and then, you know, you could do whatever you can do whatever with the other money. And I just, you know, the way the economy is, we don't even know like how these plans are going to be in the future. And I, you know, I know nothing, I'm not a financial expert, but it does, it makes me a little weary sometimes to just put all of my eggs in that basket. I, I don't want to. Yes. And I like what you said too, about understanding the trade-offs with becoming self-employed versus like just saying, Hey, am I going to get my hourly wage? Is it going to be equal? Because I come from the vantage point of somebody who I actually took a $50,000 pay cut my first year of freelancing. I was making 90 K base, not including commission in my outside sales job. I quit. And my first year of freelancing, I made $50,000. Now 
to some that might be like, oh my God, that's so much less. You, you took a huge cut there. That's like a 50%. Well, I would take an even bigger cut to be able to not report to a boss, commute to a job. And <laughs> like, it's, I would take even less money. I guess I'm also, I know how to live beneath my means, which a lot of people don't yes. understand that concept, but still like, you don't understand that your mental health will skyrocket. If you're struggling right now in your job and you're listening to this and you're like, I'm fucking miserable. Yeah. The, the money you're getting at your job is not worth your mental health and your well-being. It's not. No. And honestly, I didn't realize like when I was at my job, how physically my anxiety was being in mental health, I guess more anxiety than anything that would show through my body. And I didn't realize until I actually quit. I'm like, why don't I don't get migraines anymore? I don't have stomach issues anymore. And I never linked the two. But you know, it's it's weird once you leave and things are freeing. And I'm like, oh my God, I was seriously physically sick going to my job every day. And I never realized. Yes, I was carrying like an extra, I'm gonna say like 10 pounds. Yes. Magically disappeared once I stopped working a full-time job. And it's just, I think it's the stress. And yes. it- best physically for a lot of people and you there's it's hard to draw that connection until you're out of it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I forgot to say the other thing that made me leave my job besides the pandemic because the pandemic kind of threw me into PRN so I I was barely a nurse like I'd pick up the bare minimum and the actual thing that made me quit was when they came in they bought bought our hospital the big company and they said okay well we're changing the nurses pay so you're getting seven dollars less an hour $7 less an hour. That's like what I started working at. Like that number, like when I worked at Burger King, I was getting $7 an hour. Like you're cutting my entire wage. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, don't be about the money, Janine. Don't be about the money. It's not about the money. You're making good money in your side job. It's not about the money. You're here for socialization and patience and you know, all the things that, and I was like, but I freaking have slept here. I have I've been, I've had to shower here multiple times from being like smothered in amniotic fluid or blood or whatever. I've showered here because I've had to like literally live here because there's not enough staff. I've given my freaking life to this place and you're coming in and saying, I got it. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is, this is it. This is where I think I need to go now. I think I'm done now. And so that was also a realization. It wasn't the money. It was the, the depreciation of, of me as a human being. So I had that luxury to go, I can quit now because I can. And I was almost quote unquote forced out. I guess I wasn't forced out because a lot of nurses stayed, but a lot of time they had nowhere else to go. So they, a lot of them have left now because other companies are paying more money. But really that was the final straw for me was just not being appreciated at all. And apparently being sick every day to work that I didn't realize. (laughs) And the fact that they can come in with such a drastic change out of nowhere And that it's just status quo. That's the thing is that people look at freelancing like it's unstable. It's like, if you think that your job is Is stable, yeah. if you think they're loyal to you, it's so crazy. I heard a recruiter on YouTube talking about this. He's like, you think that the longer you've been, human nature is to think the longer you've been with a company, the more loyalty you're building, the more staying power you have. But actually from a business standpoint, the company is just counting down like when you're going to leave because- want to bring someone new who they can pay less. Like you become less of an asset to the company the longer you've been there. It's sad. It yeah. It's just, you are replaceable. It's really sad. My, so my husband last December left his job. He's doing like contracting now full-time and he, 
was at the bank for 20 years. I was at the hospital for 20 years. My brother-in-law also quit last July. He opened a tea shop. He was working in the hospital as a radiologist tech. All of us thought we were something at the hospitals and the bank. We all thought we were something. And I quit first and I'm like, you know, it's just really sad that like, I, nobody really cared. I mean, they cared that I left. I had nurses crying. I was leaving the nurses, but the institution, nobody really cared. And then things went on. And I was like, I guess all those years sleep, I guess everybody's replaceable. And then my husband's like, oh, I can't, I'm, they don't know what they're going to do when I leave the bank, blah, blah, blah. He left. They invited him to the Christmas party. He shows up. He's like, and I left because I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> so like that he realized they went out without him and my brother-in-law oh, I do so much for the department, blah, 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 leaves his job. Nobody really calls him anymore. And it's like, that's okay. And then there was like a gathering of like all the nurses I used to work with. Oh, we're going to dinner, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go. I'll go, but I don't really want to go. And I'm like, because the people that I actually care about, I still talk to. So like, I, you know, it's a hitter. It's like high school, right? You go to the reunion. You don't really want to. You sometimes go, you sometimes don't because you talk to the people you actually care to talk to. And everybody, you know, everybody else is like, okay, it's fine. Right. But yeah, we, we are all replaceable and it's sad. It really is. That YouTube guy is exactly right. Yeah. It's this illusion that like, we really are so like valuable, appreciated and this and that, but it's not, unfortunately not the case. Sad. <laughs> It's actually like, it's kind of scary though, hearing about like people leaving the medical field. Cause like, we really do need good nurses and but yeah. when you treat your nurses like that, like, I know that's probably a whole other podcast episode, but I have friends who are nurses and they're just like, so sick of the way they're being treated. And yeah, it's so scary. Cause like, if you have an emergency, like you want good nurses, like I've been through surgeries where like the nurses took care of me for a week. Like, my, you know, I just remember my mom bringing them bagels and like people yeah. don't realize you need nurses <laughs> they don't the hospital doesn't realize they need nurses they just passed like this grant to like help new nurses come into the hospital like they're paying for school and blah 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 blah. but it doesn't solve the problem of the nurses that are there that are leaving and it also doesn't solve a problem that there's a ton of educators that don't exist anymore because mm -hmm. nurse educators like at universities get paid garbage like they get paid nothing so yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I don't, again, I don't even have the answers for an episode on that, but <laughs> someone does. <laughs> well, Janine, so tell us about how your program worked, because actually I knew you ran a course and you taught people how to become nurse writers, but I was actually not, and I know you had an agency. I was not aware of the service that you're doing. Like, give us the whole ecosystem of your business, because I want to understand just for myself. It's so messed up. Like, it's like, <laughs> again, what am I doing? All right. So there's two sides to my business. All of it's under one umbrella, but one side is the Write RN agency where we help healthcare companies find writers, help their projects, client side, think with this client side. And then we have Savvy Nurse Writer, which is where nurses come to learn how to write, to learn how to own their own business. And that's where I have a podcast. I actually, look at this. I have a book coming out this weekend. It's, that's a proof copy. So they don't let you actually see it. But I wrote a book recently. It's called Savvy Nurse Writer, A Nurse's Blueprint for Starting a Profitable Freelance Health Writing Business. So it's like a really cool companion to the course. So talks, actually, Christine, I think you're in here. Oh, I think okay. I recapped an episode, the episode you did with me. So in the book, it goes through that, like different episodes. I, I kind of summarize some of them that have to do with some of the chapters. So yeah, so there's that. And then I have my online course and a couple like course bundles. We actually just started doing this because so many nurses are hesitant to like go into the course, like the big, big chunk of change for that course. 
So like we have challenges and we have bundles for like small, like mini courses to kind of get your feet wet and go, yeah, I think I do want to do this. So, and then we have that writing skills course, which is pretty cool too now that we can help writers with that actual skill of writing. So that's it in a nutshell. Okay. So, so if I understand, so the agency side is where people can go for nurse writing opportunities. Like, Hey, I want to get, I want to start getting paid to do this and you connect them if they qualify with the end client. And if they don't qualify, they kind of get kicked back to the writing skills courses that you offer. Yeah. So on the RN website, you'll see a spot that says careers and that will actually guide you right to Savvy Nurse Writer. And then there's two options on that. There's a paid option that we have a job board where you get write RN opportunities. You also get vetted into the agency and you get month. It's a monthly subscription of like 30 bucks, but you get weekly leads to different freelance writing jobs over the web. So, you know, Christine, like trying to find a freelance writing job, you have to like Google everywhere, like LinkedIn, Indeed, all the things. So we now have it like every Friday, you're going to get leads that are health content writing jobs, usually beginner jobs. And none of them are like medical writers. That's a whole different conversation. So there's that. And then there's a free board where it's just write our end client opportunities. So if we need a writer, we have a database that you can like make a profile on and say, I need a writer that has experience in pediatrics. I'll go through the database. And if you pop up, I might send an email saying, Hey, we have this opportunity, check this post out, check out this job board opportunity. And then once you're like through there, you're on the email list, you'll get like email opportunities as well. So yeah, there's a couple ways to go about it, but. Okay. Amazing. And where can we buy your book? Well, this probably, when's this going to air? Not in the next two days, right? No, no, probably sometime in September. So on my birthday, Saturday, it's going to launch. And so I think Saturday, Saturday or Sunday, like Amazon's weird. It has to like approve the book again, but I'm officially launching it August 26th. But whether it goes live the 26th or 27th is, so it'll be on Amazon. You just search on Amazon. Okay. Can you talk to me a little bit about the book writing process? I want to write a book. (laughs) Yeah. So my book is kind of, so I wanted it to be a blueprint, right? For nurses that like wanted this way to go into freelance writing. And what, how I wrote it was basically breaking down my course into bite-sized like chapters and then taking that and looking at episodes. So your RSS feed of podcast episodes, I just searched like all the ones I had to do with mindset and imposter syndrome and time management and kind of broke all those down, listened to all those again, summarized them, and then got some testimonials from some students, put those in there. And then I did exercises at the end of each chapter. So, you know, you're taking action every time you read a chapter as well. So it that's kind of how that one went. I wrote another book too. That one was called Entrepreneurs. And hold on, it's entrepreneurs, 30 plus nurses turn into business owners and share their secrets to success. This one was a compilation of just different, actually started as a blog project for a guy and he wanted me to interview nurses and so nurse entrepreneurs. So I did. And then it gave me the idea to just keep going with it. And he's like, why don't you turn it into a book? I'm like, I don't know. I don't write books, but I, I did. I ended up writing the book. And so that was more of a compilation of different people and what they've done to kind of like help people think outside the box of what they can do on the side of their nursing job. So a lot of my books are a lot. The two books I've written are based off are obviously nonfiction and they're just formatted in a way that it's like easy to write because like they're like courses. Like you kind of just need to have the chapters or the modules and kind of break it down that way. But that's kind of how I wrote both of those books. It was yeah. I, after entrepreneurs, I said I was never writing a book again, but then here we are. 
Did you go through like any type of book publishing program? Is it self-published? So I did self-publishing for Savvy Nurse Writer. But entrepreneurs, my friend Deanna actually published this one, but this one's also on Amazon too. So kind of this, it was the same process in a sense, because I learned from this book, like what to do, because she guided me like the whole way on that. But yeah, it was, it's just getting all the words out of your head is really what it is. Oh, I really, that is like my bucket list item. And like on my, that's my life goal is to write a book. Oh, you could do it. it just, I could write too. I know. <laughs> I, where the hell does she find the time with all I know. doing? I think that actually, though, the Savvy Nurse Writer Book almost kind of wrote itself. Because you have all the materials. Yeah. Putting it together. Putting it together and then making it like a book, right? You got I threw some stories in there, my personal stuff, and, you know, kind of making it a little more interesting to read. So, yeah, you could write a book. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for the inspiration. Of course. Well, tell interested nurse writers, medical writers, health writers, how they can engage with you. I know you explained your programs, but what's the easiest way for them to find you and connect with you? Just go to SavvyNurseWriter.com. Easiest way. We have a Facebook group too, Savvy Nurse Writers. And then my podcast, if you want to hear Christine, is the Savvy Scribe podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much, Janine. And I will have everything linked down below so it's easy for people to navigate.